you need to take advantage of the Eden Pure Thunderstorm Air Purifier 3-Pack. Everyone loves the Thunderstorm. It doesn't take up any floor space, there are no filters to replace, and it's only one-third the cost of those big, bulky air purifiers. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use discount code HOWIE. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. We've got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone. To the Grace Curley Show. I am so excited to be here with you today, and we have a lot to get to, as always. Always pretty busy here. Um, But I'm very excited about my next guest. You are all very familiar with him, and I can't think of a better time to bring on Brett Tolman. He has uh, former U.S. Attorney Brett Tolman, I should say. He has plenty of experience with all things uh, Supreme Court, all these cases, and there's just so much out there right now. That for someone like me, and I just called Brett off the air and I said, Brett, the reason I love having someone like you on is because sometimes the legal jargon, the courts, all these, you know, you get these stories about, oh, it's going to be overturned. Oh, they stayed their own ruling. And for a layman, a laywoman like myself, it can feel intimidating. I can lose the plot a little bit. So I need someone like Brett to break it down for us. So Brett Tolman, I thank you so much for coming on the show. And my first question for you is to give us just your reaction to the Colorado decision and the Maine Secretary of State decision to kick Trump off the ballot. Great. Thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I think you probably understand this, that lawyers aren't actually brighter than anybody else. They just speak at foreign language. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, we're, we are in some, some fascinating and, and, you know, mind boggling times right now. And one of those really includes this effort by, you know, Colorado and Maine and other states will, will have, and and will attempt to engage in the same manner. And that is to kick Trump off the battle, uh, the ballot. And, you know, as I look at it, just, you know, from a 30,000 foot level, I think the plan was, we're going to throw criminal prosecution at him. We're going to try to make an insurrection case. The facts aren't there and the law doesn't justify it, but we'll try to make that case. That'll be then easy for these states to eliminate him from the ballot. Hasn't gone as planned. They couldn't find the facts or, or even make up enough of the facts to find insurrection. And they certainly don't have that now as Colorado's gone forward and Maine's gone forward. You know, Colorado was one thing. You have a Supreme Court. You have a specific law in Colorado that says the state is responsible to certify that those are those running for president are qualified. In Maine, totally different approach. They didn't take the legal route, and they're two very different. But they came to the same conclusion, and that was, we will conclude that there's that there's insurrection. We'll ignore that the the clause we're going to rely on in the Constitution um, doesn't actually reach Donald Trump. We'll ignore that, and we'll just say that there was an insurrection, and we'll remove him from the ballot. And we'll do that by a judicial ruling in Colorado and by a bureaucrat issuing a, a, a personal ruling by fiat that Donald Trump's off the ballot. And 
and that's where we're at. And those of us on, on the legal side are watching this saying, you, you have got to be kidding. You know, never in our lifetime did we think we'd seen such absurdity in the law. Now, Brett, there's a lot of people who are making predictions as to what's going to happen when the Supreme Court eventually gets their hands on this. And I, and I believe, and you can correct me on this, that in Maine, there's a chance that a, it might not be the Supreme Court, that a superior court could overrule this decision. But if these do go to the Supreme Court and they and they are able to uh, make a decision, what would you predict? Because I've heard from you know different conservatives that they really feel that in order for there to be any sort of sanity in our country, there needs to be a pretty black and white style ruling here, like nine zero eight one. But it can't be somewhere in the middle. It can't be like the, the leftist uh, justices go one way and the more conservative ones go the other. And they're, the thinking, I guess, is that that would just create more havoc in the country. Um, if you had to if you were a betting man, Brett, how would you bet that the Supreme Court rules on this? Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think we do need the Supreme Court more than ever. But keep in mind, several courts that were appointed by, you know, uh, left government, left left wing governors, or they themselves, have, you know, were were appointed um, from the left in the states, various states that have heard these same challenges, um, have ruled in favor of Donald Trump. So it's not like it's not mm-hmm. like the pure left is against it and the and the pure right is is again you know is, is or, or for it and the, the right against it the reality is you do have thoughtful folks on the left so i say that because typically when you're really afraid of a a decision from the supreme court that is you know fractionalized and and you have three in a plurality and you have three over here and then you have three doing this and four doing that. And it can get very complicated and that can be a real bad thing. We don't have the ingredients for that. I predict that we'll have, you know, either a unanimous decision by the court or we'll lose one. And you might have one that throws out, you know, that, that there's, there's some authority, but Let's keep in mind what authority the states actually have when it comes to the presidential election. They have the ability to determine whether someone is born in the United States, is lived here for 14 years consecutively, and is at least 35 years of age. That is the only qualification that a state can analyze in determining whether or not somebody goes on the ballot. And that's what the Supreme Court is going to be looking at, and that is how did they get and exceed that level of analysis that they're that we've authorized them to do to actually dig into facts that don't exist and assumptions that have not been, you know, agreed with by any court of law and say he engaged in insurrection and we believe that the Fourteenth Amendment Clause Three applies to him, so therefore we will remove him from the ballot. I mean, that's a decision that I would predict only comes from the Supreme Court. Yeah, something you just said there, Brett. I wrote down because I think it's so important to reiterate. You said you do have thoughtful folks on the left. I know that from my own work because we spend so much time analyzing the stupidity that comes out of the talking heads, you know, in mainstream media, and that's easy to forget. It's easy to forget that there are people, there are liberal-minded people who are able still right now to compartmentalize and to take their political opinions out of it and to go based off their intelligence and their education and their expertise. And I think that's a really brilliant point to make. And um, I think it's important for my listeners to hear that as well. Now, Brett Tolman, 
Switching over here, switching gears to another huge story that's getting a lot of attention. The Jeffrey Epstein document dump is really taking the media by storm. And and I wanted to read people something you tweeted out because I'm reading all these reactions, right? And people are reacting to, and you know, I'm the same way. You, You see the headlines, David Copperfield's doing magic at Jeffrey Epstein's dinner. Bill Clinton allegedly, according to this deposition, the woman said that uh, she'd heard he stormed into the Vanity Fair offices. So there's a lot of things to get, uh, I don't want to say distracted, but there's things to focus on. You wrote this. You said, this should have been the largest sex trafficking conspiracy case ever prosecuted by DOJ, with hundreds prosecuted and decades in federal prison for the guilty. Instead, it is another instance of DOJ protection racket. I'm disgusted. Can you expand a little bit on that, Brett? Because you're the only one I heard really making that point. Yeah, this, you know, the... The Mann Act and several other uh, criminal statutes on the federal side were actually, they were created for this very kind of case to go after large scale sex and human trafficking, especially when it comes to, to minors, uh, underage individuals. What nobody is, is disputing, Grace, is that there are actual victims and that there are multiple victims. And that these victims, they've not, their credibility has not been attacked by anyone on the left or the right. And in fact, it's almost as though they, everybody recognized this was a massive scale operation that lasted over years and years with an individual who had resources and had access to powerful people. And they all came together. Um, driven by various motivations, but the victims themselves, and this has been going, I first heard about several victims in the Epstein case in 2006. And, and it was too big at that time to even believe that it was as large in scale as many of the victims that were starting to come forward articulated. It is tragic to me the U.S. attorney in Florida, Alex Acosta, who was the U.S. attorney when I was the U.S. attorney, did not utilize all of the full resources of the FBI and other agencies to dig into the scope. I prosecuted the kidnappers of Elizabeth Smart. I can tell you the just sheer raw carnage of what they did to Elizabeth, her family, and to others, and then multiply that. Um, ten by tens and twenties and, and however many victims there are. And the fact that we have not, as, as a DOJ or the FBI, investigated that in a way that is designed to root out everybody that was involved. And the conspiracy that in case they can make involves everyone from, you know, Jeffrey himself and everyone that assisted, but all those that helped bring in other girls and then all those who participated in, in the illicit sex. I mean, Grace, that's, that's what is mind-numbing to those of us who served in the Department of Justice where we're not supposed to care, you know, what someone's political um, ideology is, but we are supposed to care about the victims of crime. And, and that, to me, is why it is such an aggravating case because we're not talking about he said, she said. We believe the victims of this case, but we are ignoring them as law enforcement. Yeah, and Brett, to your point, I, I wasn't even 
probably going to get to this story today because it's it's just so disheartening and, and so sad. But I think it ties into exactly what you're saying. And I'm sure you know about this case. There was a, a model, a top model. She appeared in, um, you know, plenty of big advertisements for Marc Jacobs, uh, Vera Wang. And she was 18 when she was a passenger on um, the Lolita Express in 2006. And she jumped to her death from her Wall Street apartment building Two years later, I believe it was, and uh, her boyfriend at the time, her ex-boyfriend said she, you know, kept a lot of things bottled up. But to your point, there's there's so much damage that, you know, as much as we read these headlines and we find out about Bill Clinton and, you know, if you really think about the victims here and how their lives are forever ruined, um, it's it's almost too much for one person to even comprehend. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, I... I understand a little bit of that. I have the inside of my sister having been kidnapped and raped when she was in college, and it was devastating to all of us. And the thing that is so difficult is, um, you know, not bringing someone to justice. But even worse, at a level that's 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 above that, is what it would feel like when people know who did it and they're not held accountable. And 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 that's 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 something that it, it is not surprising to me. That is more than than a young woman could uh, could withstand. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree. Brett Tolman, we really appreciate your time, sir. I know how busy you are, and uh, it's an honor to have you on the program. Can you let people know? Because I know you have a great organization, Right on Crime, that you're the executive director of. So let people know where they can find you and where they can learn out more, learn more about it. Yeah, you know, I, I love this organization, RightOnCrime.com. It is a uh, the largest campaign of the Texas Public Policy Foundation, and we are devoted to fixing, you know, broken aspects of the criminal justice system. There's there's not a family in this country that hasn't had its brush with the criminal justice system and and recognize and learn that there are many many broken parts. We can do better than this, and so. You know, my goal is to be able to reduce recidivism so there aren't more victims and to implement policies that are more thoughtful based on data and research and and to really call out um, abuse where there's abuse. And, you know, Grace, the criminal justice system has had very little um, accountability and almost no transparency. And Epstein's just a prime example of it. But so is Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And so is, you know, all the other cases that we're now are, are hitting us you know, in the face and, and it's offensive. Well, it's been going on for a long time. And so I hope that our organization and many others will join in trying to root out uh, this this abuse of the criminal justice system. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That is uh, Brett Tolman, former U.S. attorney and just a really accomplished, accomplished person. We thank him for coming on the show. I want to let you all know, we'll come back, we'll take calls on this, and you can check out this podcast. It's going to be up soon in case you missed part of the interview. I want to let you all know about Perfect Smiles before we go, though, because a lot of people were, were in the new year now, if you can believe it. It's already 2024, and it's easy to put yourself last. It's easy to make your to-do list for the new year, to have your New Year's resolutions, and somehow nothing on that list has to do with you. It has to do with everybody else. I admire you for that. I think it's wonderful that you put every Everyone else above you. But you should take care of yourself. And if your smile is something you're insecure about, if you kind of find yourself covering up your smile or, you know, not showing your teeth in photos, this is something you can fix. And it's something that's going to change every aspect of your life. And better yet, I have the perfect team for you. Dr. Houghton is not just the best in his entire field. He is the best at what he does. He's also 
such a nice person, which I think when you're getting your teeth worked on, if you're like me, you get a little nervous. It's important to be with someone who's going to take it at your own pace, who's really going to listen to you, and who's going to give you the best experience possible. That is everybody at Perfect Smiles, not just Dr. Houghton. From the second you walk in, the per- the receptionist to the, the person cleaning your teeth, everybody there is top-notch. They love what they do, and they're just going to treat you like family. So they're located off of Route 3, and you can reach them at PerfectSmiles.com. That's PerfectSmiles.com. Change your smile. Change your life. We'll be right back. The Grace Curley Show will be right back. This is The Grace Curley Show. I really do love having Brett Tolman on. He is he is so cool. He knows so many things and he makes so many great points about this Jeffrey Epstein case because you know, this is what happens when things hit the media. It's a deposition. You're going to get a lot of weird details. We talked about Stephen Hawking yesterday being on Epstein Island. We talked about Bill Clinton and the paintings and the, you know, the certain pictures that come out. But Brett is focused on something so much more important, which is all these young women who are never going to be right. And, and, you know, they're going to spend the rest of their lives trying to deal with this. And where my mind went, and I didn't have time to kind of go into it with Brett, but when he was describing this, I went right back to the the gymnasts, USA Gymnastics, and the fact that, talk about dropping the ball. Like, where are the people who, where are the people who are out fighting to make sure this doesn't happen to these? And I know there are people, and God bless them. But you see some of these cases and you go, how did so many people know about something for so long and they let it happen? You know, and especially when you when you get in, I don't want to get into the USA Gymnastics thing, but the part of that that amazed me was that they had information and they just didn't follow up on it. And my first thought was like, does that does that person who doesn't follow up on it? And I, I do think he ended up getting a job with USA Gymnastics in the end. So it kind of makes sense why he was able to, I guess, avoid doing this but as a human being like do you have children do you have someone you care about who you could maybe envision something like this happening to that doesn't motivate you to investigate it and and to do everything you can to stop future victims from from to stop this from happening to future people I remember those gymnasts when they were testifying in front of Congress and they said you know and and they were they were criticizing, and rightfully so, the FBI. And one of them, I think it might have been Allie Raisman, who's actually from Needham. She said, you served us up on a silver platter to this guy. And I'll never forget that, because I really thought, if that were someone in my family, the anger would never subside. Like, you knew when you could have done something, and you didn't. And Brett Tolman's right. When it comes to this Jeffrey Epstein thing, they can put out all these documents with all these people's names and people talk about Trump and how, oh, it exonerates Trump, but it makes Bill Clinton look bad and Prince Andrew. But where were the investigations? Like, where were the people who could have done something about this? And they let this guy. The only time a lot of these people in these big agencies cared about this was when they thought it was going to bring down Trump. And shame on them because they should have cared about it before that. It should have been a big deal to them before Orange Man was bad. But it wasn't. 844-500-4242. When we come back, 
We are going to discuss this new pattern that I figured out with the Biden administration, which is when you're getting criticism, point to other countries in the world and try to show how bad things are going there. We'll talk to you about it. We got a lot of fun stories coming up as well. So don't go anywhere. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. Okay, where where do we want to go here, Jared? I'm going to let you decide. Because it's Friday. And we love options here at the Grace Curley Show. Jared, would you rather go into illegal immigration and Mallorca's response on CBS, or would you rather go into the Vivek situation? I think we should do the Vivek situation because we still have to do the poll question this hour. So this will be a nice little setup. Okay, perfect. All right. Plus, it's just amazing audio. Yeah, it is. And he's been on a roll this week. So we've had this conversation before whether or not conservatives should go head to head with liberal reporters. And I always say, I don't have a lot of wisdom to give out, but I do feel like I've pulled a lot of this sound over the years. I've seen a lot of these interactions. So this is, I guess you could say, my expertise, as sad as that might sound. I always say you should do it if you can handle it. And you know what's a good example is that people will sometimes say to me, oh, Grace, I would love to see you on The View. You would handle those women. And I say, no, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't. Because confronted with that situation, I might be able to get a couple sentences in. But I also I get so overwhelmed with frustration that it's hard for me sometimes to battle people in like a war of words. I get overwhelmed. Vivek Ramaswamy doesn't have that problem. Donald Trump doesn't have that problem either. But it's it's a rare thing that people can keep their calm, keep their wits about them while, while all else are losing theirs, however the, the poem goes, and deliver the facts in a way that just destroys the other person's argument. And that's what Vivek Ramaswamy can do. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So this all started a couple days ago. He was asked by a reporter if he would condemn white supremacy because, you know, we're heading into the election. Biden's campaign ad. It's all about white supremacists, Trump supporters, MAGA Republicans. And so the media, as they want to do, they're, you know, they're part of the campaign staff. You know, they're going around. They're the door knockers now. Are the media that is supposed to be delivering the truth supposed to be standing up against these corrupt politicians and these corrupt organizations? They are Joe Biden's door knockers going around doing his bidding, carrying his water, insert whatever euphemism you'd like. And so Vivek Ramaswamy says, I'm not no, I'm not going to, you know, do this test or whatever. I think he calls it like a catechism. He's like, I'm not I'm not going to do this. He says, I don't like racial discrimination, no matter who's who it's against. That's not good enough, though. Like, this is what they always do. Remember this during the, the Trump years? Do you denounce David Duke? And for what it's worth, I think I at one point denounced David Duke. Like, Grace Curley, radio host. Who gives a bleep? But that's how crazy it got. Everyone was, like, denouncing. If you had any sort of conservative bone in your body you had to denounce anything that went wrong ever now i will note this the do you denounce crew they took the denounce caps off after october 7th 
They weren't going around asking people to denounce things. Weird timing, right? Right after the savages went into the kibbutzes in Israel and chopped off people's heads and slaughtered people and raped women, all of a sudden the denouncing took a break. You know, you didn't have to condemn anything for a while. There was a little bit of a reprieve from the denouncing. But it's back. It's back because we're heading into 20, uh, the, the election and white supremacy is on the ballot, according to Joe Biden. So now these reporters are going to go around because they want to get their gold star and their little pat on the head from Joe Biden. And they're going to go around and they're going to treat these candidates like Joe Biden wants them to treat them. That he wants, you know, be, be honest, you know, you got to. Or as David Harsani once wrote, the media isn't quite hackish enough for Joe Biden. He has an issue with that. You know, he doesn't think the media is being pathetic enough yet. So they're they're trying to prove themselves like, oh, no, 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 we can we can really, really embarrass ourselves if you just give us a couple more chances. And so this reporter is going back and forth. Her name is Dasha Burns. She's the NBC News reporter. And I want to give major kudos here. Because I, uh, I don't want to Claudine Gay this. I actually want to give credit where credit is due. Joe Concha put on Twitter, this is the woman who at one point was just pointing out the obvious about John Fetterman's uh, mental capabilities and his issues. And she was run out of town. Like she was persona non grata because she said the obvious. And I think Democrats kicked her out of the club at that point. They didn't like her kind of journalism, the kind where you actually acknowledge reality and so joe concha made the point that this might be her attempt to get back into the cool kids club to to get that strange new respect back so let's see if she she manages to do it jared this is dasha burns with vivek ramaswamy let's play it Let's talk about what, uh, white supremacy and what happened last night for a moment, because when you were talking to reporters last night, you called white supremacy a myth. When someone asked you about Dylan Roof, you said you didn't know who that is. Have you looked up what happened in 2015? Yeah, yeah look, I, I, I've said I've, I said this last night. Invidious racial discrimination is wrong no matter how it happens. But if a Washington Post reporter is asking me almost like a catechism, Whatever question I said, I'm against invidious racial discrimination, whatever form it takes, but says, do you denounce white supremacy? It's incumbent on us for us to define what white supremacy is. Yeah. And. And I just I like the idea of someone challenging. The rules, you know, because I always think this when. When they ask like Ron DeSantis, for example, to respond to something Donald Trump said or when they ask here's a better example when Trump was president okay and he would be asked to respond to something that a Republican governor did or a Republican uh, politician anyone he would be asked to respond to it I always wish politicians would utilize the tactic of I don't speak for that person I'm not that person's representative. You got to ask that person because I don't know when it became everybody's job. And it's not everybody's because Democrats never have to do this. Democrats never. No one was asked to explain Mayor Wu's segregated party, by the way. No, no, no Democrat was asked. Do you agree with that? Do you think that's right? If it had been reversed, if a Republican, let's picture this, a Republican mayor in Texas has a party with just white people, doesn't invite any minorities to the party. And posts about it and celebrates it and says, this is so great. The all white party. We love this. 
You don't think that every Republican governor, mayor, God forbid there was a Republican president, you don't think that would be the running headline that every single person would have to answer for that? And I just, I like the idea of saying, I know what you're doing, and I'm no longer going to partake in this. I know what this is. And I'm not going to give you the soundbite you want. I, I, I see this trap. And here's the funny part. Is that you're asked to denounce white supremacy, which as Vivek is about to point out, can literally mean anything at this point. I've seen like exercise described as white supremacy. Um, I've seen the, the list of things that can be chalked up as white supremacy that you wouldn't know. You know, like you might just be going about your day and you you eat something that you like. And it, no, it turns out you ate that food from Trader Joe's. That's cultural appropriation. That's white supremacy. So white supremacy can be anything under the sun. And they expect you to denounce all of it. But when it comes to calling for the genocide of Jews, right, when it comes to calling to eradicate Israel, that we can't define as anti-Semitism. Do you see what I'm saying? It's like that, that, well, there's shades of gray there. Context matters. And as Vivek points out, I'm not going to denounce something when you guys haven't even clearly defined what it is. You change the definition of it every single day. White supremacy, racism is anything that you don't like. So no, I'm not going to denounce this giant term that changes based off however you feel that day. It's actually the smartest thing to do if, if you can't and that the point the reason they don't define things the reason that everything's always changeable is because the confusion is the point and and vivek does such a good job of pointing this out let's have cut 16 i wrote my book woke inc and i've written about the detailed understanding of what the popular understanding of these terms have come to mean do you believe punctuality is a vestige of white supremacy dasha Look, because if you don't, then you have a disagreement about many of the people who are defining those terms or the written word or the use or the nuclear family. This is these aren't my words. These are the words of intellectual proponents from Ibram Kendi to the Ayanna Presley's to BLM that have said these are vestiges look, of white supremacy. So Mr. we can't have it both ways. You do, though, we have to have an choose, honest you discussion. You man arguments. Not, Last this night, is not a straw man. You brought, you brought up Jussie man. Smollett as the, the best Jussie example Smollett of white supremacy. was the supremacy. hottest thing in news in the back of a fake yes. actual attack on him that we have to contend with. And, this is and actually, yet, and yet, you have examples the like the Buffalo shooter in New York just in 2022. You have other examples. But you are also cherry picking when you bring up Jussie so I'll look, I'll look at all of the statistics. Wait, wait, hold on. So, black so, black. so do I have this right? She's allowed to cherry pick because she's from NBC News. And he's not allowed to cherry pick because he's running for president. No, no, no. You, you started. You started the cherry picking. And by the way, it's funny to me that she wants him to denounce white supremacy, whatever her definition is. And she doesn't even know. You can just tell. She has no idea what she's talking about. But then he says, well, do you think that punctuality is like a factor in white supremacy. I don't know the exact word he used. And she says, look, well, at that point, you kind of want to go, no, 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 hold on, hold on. We're playing the denouncing game. We're playing the yes or no. Like, there's no look here. Look implies that there's gray area. Look implies that I need time to explain myself. There's no time to explain yourself, Dasha. Either it is white supremacy or it isn't. Do you think punctuality is part of white supremacy. 
yes or no, to quote my hero Kamala Harris, yes or no. It's a yes or no question. But this is what the media can do. They can cherry pick. They can ask these questions that make no sense. But if you explain that to them and then put it back on them, hold on now. I'll ask the questions here. I'm in charge. And, you know, she's not in charge because as I was just saying, you got to know yourself. I know that in debates I get a little high pitched. I get I think I can use this word because I'm a woman, Jared, but don't you get crazy with it. I get a little shrill. It's, it's hard for me. I try, but it's not my strong suit. It's not this Lady Dasha's strong suit either because she just sounds, the longer she goes, the more she sounds like she's going to cry. That can't be, that cannot be the way you debate someone on TV. It's like, well, if you don't stop, I'm going to cry. Please stop. Let's have cut 17. This is Vivek versus Dasha Burns. Anti-defamation league tracked a 38% increase in white supremacist propaganda last year. Who's tracking that? The anti-defamation league. Yeah, the ADL, I don't think is a particularly credible source when they have cherry-picked information. I would suggest, I would suggest, look at the, there's a table, two by two table. Federal law enforcement data, which you could say what you do. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't believe that either. But okay. look at black the on FBI, Asian crime, black on black crimes, crime, the FBI white on black crime. crime statistics. That's a, a law enforcement agency. Uh, 59.1% was based on itself. race, ethnicity, I look at absolute and violence. ancestry, saying hate crimes rose 12% oh, 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 Jared, Jared, I know that you pulled more of this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna declare a winner here, and I'm biased as can be. So keep that in mind, okay? I'm a conservative radio host, so you're not getting. I'm not calling balls and strikes, but I'm going to declare Vivek the winner solely on the fact that his voice isn't as annoying as hers. Holy God. That's annoying. That's annoying. That sounds like you're arguing with like a bratty teenager. I'm not trying to be mean either. I know I'm sure I sound a little bit um catty for saying that, but it's true. So you, you, if you're going... Meow. Yeah, I, I do sound that was a catty moment. I will be honest. That was a catty moment. But still, that was brutal. 844-500-4242. And he's right. It's like, fine, I'll denounce it, but explain what it is to me. Because your definition continues to change. And it's about time that some of these conservatives stop playing by these dumb rules. They're like, we're, we have to denounce everything. The left doesn't have to denounce anything. They didn't even have to denounce the terrorists. They were chopping off the heads of babies. Nobody was asking them to denounce that. Why don't you focus on that first? You get that. That's what I would say to Dasha. Tell you what. You get Ayanna Presley and Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar to denounce the savage barbarians who raped women in Israel so badly that it broke their pelvic muscles or their pelvic bones. You, you get that. And then come back to me and I'll start denouncing things. But until you get that, I'm going to hold off. It's just hypocrisy. It's like it's selective outrage, selective outrage to the max. Uh, When we come back, we'll take more of your calls. 844-500-4242. One thing you can count on about me is I'm always cold. Jared, you can attest to this. I'm always messing with the thermostat. Well, no, that was Grace Curley in 2023. In 2024... I don't bother you with the thermostat because I got my own Gen 40 heater. It keeps me toasty warm and it uses two types of heat. It uses infrared 
and convective heat. It combines them to create a very warm fireplace style roaring heat that's going to warm you up to the bone. And my favorite part about this device, because I love all the quality of the Eden Pure products, but my favorite part about this one is the style of it. It looks very cool. It's sleek. It, it doesn't take up a lot of room. I just had a baby. There's so much stuff all the time. You have so many, you know, you have high chairs and toys and there's stuff everywhere. I need something that doesn't take up a lot of space and that can just blend in to the room. And that is the Gen 40 heater. So save $50 for one more week with code GRACE50. Go to EdenPureDeals.com and use code GRACE50 for the Gen 40 heater. Don't go broke trying to heat up your whole house. There's no point. There's no point in heating up the side rooms or the dining room that you never go in. You're just going to end up with bills that are going to make you want to cry. So instead, get the Gen 40, save money, save $50 for one more week, and get free shipping when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. Use code GRACE50. That's EdenPureDeals.com, code GRACE50. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Grace Curley Show. This is The Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by Colette Tours and the November 16th listener getaway to Iceland with Caroline Levitt. For more information, go to gracecurleyshow.com and click on the listener getaway banner. Jared, what is the poll question and what are the results thus far? Today's poll question, which you can vote in at gracecurleyshow.com, is who handles the press the best? Donald Trump or Vivek Ramaswamy? It's close. It's close. Donald Trump makes me laugh more the way he handles the press. I've gotten more chuckles out of Donald Trump. Vivek probably makes me think more. But I'm going to go with Vivek. And also, it doesn't hurt Vivek's case that he's got these great sound cuts today. Yeah, still close, but 52% for Donald Trump, 48% for Vivek. Okay, that's closer than I thought it would be. So uh, let's go to David. You're next up on The Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, David. It would have been interesting if uh, um, Mr. Ramasani asked the ladies, well, when they asked him, did you deny uh, white supremacy? He could have said, well, do you deny all white supremacy? Like, for instance, the Nazi party consider themselves the superior race, the Aryan race. So all you had to do was just ask them, I'm assuming you they, you would assume that they were racist. So what about uh, the Nazi party would have said things like we're a superior race and blacks are inferior. Just like they said about uh, Jesse Owens in um, when uh, they had the Olympics, so in 1938. So he, all he had to do was just ask them. So is it white? Would Margaret Sanger call black people weeds that never should have been born? Who went to Ku Klux Klan meetings? Who admired Adolf Hitler's eugenics program? Yeah, there's there's a lot of hypocrisy in the Democrat Party that David is pointing out that actually um, because of Nikki Haley's response last week, David, there were a few politicians, uh, including, I believe, Ron DeSantis, who did just that, who pointed out those hypocrisies and pointed out the fact that the Democrats have a history of racism that they don't want to address. So it's a good point to bring up, and I'm glad. What usually happens is if one candidate, like Nikki Haley, 
completely drops the ball on a question, the other ones get the chance to answer it for them. And then they can really craft the perfect response that we all think of in our own heads. And um, quite a few Republicans were able to do that. I should mention one more thing here, though, before we go into the break. Nikki Haley with the weirdest tweet. She said, we have to deal with the cancer that is mental health. I don't know who's drafting up these tweets, but they need to find somebody else because this is not she's not saying what she thinks she's saying. Okay, we'll be right back with Emma Foley. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. 